Hi, everybody. I'm here with Zeus again. Um, we've had many requests from my audience members to continue our discussions. Uh, people seem to be liking the fact that we're coming from our own unique points of views, but trying to work our way toward a center of understanding that can be hopefully helpful to you as well on some topics that are touchy right now, shall we say. This particular show is part one of a three-part series. It's called Under the Hood. That's the name of the series, Under the Hood. And part one is the breakdown of truth. And I don't think you have to look too far. You can turn any outlet of media on. It doesn't matter what it is. And they're all going to be talking about this topic. And we're going to chime in on the conversation. So let's go to Zeus and uh, start looking at the underpinnings of why we're having such a difficult time coming together as a culture around the world. The same thing is happening. So Zeus, welcome. Hi there. <laughs> Upstairs, hi. hi. <laughs> so Zeus, um, we were talking off camera as we are always talking off camera about the dynamics that are playing out in our world with a certain sense of sadness and horror that people who used to be able to talk to one another can no longer speak to one another. And this seems to be deepening. The chasm is deepening. And we sit there watching, saying, what words can I find to reach out to another person that is looking at totally different streams of information? And right now, there are no words, which is why we're having this conversation. So let's start out as we're talking about the breakdown of truth with one very stark situation and very sad situation that many people have become aware of. I'm speaking about a situation that has occurred in South Dakota, which has come to our attention uh, really around the world recently, which is particularly stark and particularly sad. And it has to do with a nurse, uh, an attending nurse in a hospital who is intensive in intensive care, dealing with people dying of COVID. And the situation is such that She's come on camera speaking publicly about it because South Dakota, which is also where, you know, the, the rally, uh, the, that great rally, motorcycle rally moved through, also um, Mount Rushmore and the large rallies there. Uh, not surprisingly, in the aftermath of that, South Dakota has extraordinarily high uh, COVID rates and deaths. Um, and the two don't always go together, but right now they're going together there. And this nurse is saying the last dying breaths of many of the people that are there are they're angry and they're filled with hatred saying this is, this can't be, this isn't happening, that COVID is a hoax. It's a hoax and they can't be dying of COVID. And rather than calling their families and their friends and saying goodbye, they're screaming, they're melting down in frustration. This is a hoax. I can't be dying. And so they don't make those phone calls and their breaths expire. So we're going to go back to Zeus right now and talk about the emotional dynamics and underpinnings behind this, because yes, this is an extreme case, but it's happening and it's happening in other places too. Zeus. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, as you all know, I think I've mentioned it in past episodes um, that I've taught a class on motivation and emotion and the, the strongest thing out of the book that I use for that class is more of a popular book talking about how emotions impact our ordinary lives. And it goes through the different emotions. Um, it's called Emotions Revealed. It's the second edition book. Um, was this line in the introduction about how emotions can overcome the hunger drive, the sex drive, and even the will to live? 
we've been talking a lot, you and I, uh, Regina, about diseases of despair, okay? And uh, oftentimes it's been somewhat you know, highlighted and even accentuated by COVID because of the isolation. Um, but there's another disease here that's a very much an emotional and psychological disease as well. And I think it was, it, it was perpetrated by the desire to find some kind of structure or meaning in the world. And right now we're in a, a very, very uh, fast moving and, and foundationally shifting time. And COVID has accelerated. That hasn't brought it on per se, but it's, as you and I have talked about, brought the underlying weaknesses out of a very individualistic country that is always going in sympathetic, a crank up, crank up, crank up activity response always living on the edge. And we even romanticize that in America, you know, entrepreneurialism, the boomer bust. Um, and now we're confronted with a virus that's helping us realize we have to reflect. We have to come together. We have to slow down and we have to begin to take restock, you know? Uh, and, and in this kind of vacuum, in this space between here and there has arisen a whole host of opportunities to, to have disinformation and misinformation in response to massive global changes. And you and I have talked about this as well, because it doesn't seem like either one of these options that's available to people is tenable. The one that you talked about just now is saying that everything's a conspiracy, it's a liberal hoax, it's a, a global agenda built on, on telling us what to do, I'm not gonna listen to that. In fact, the people in this ICU would rather see themselves as having lung cancer or very bad flu. I mean, even lung cancer rather than coronavirus because literally the brain can, will not recognize coronavirus as a reality. And may I say something, Zeus? I just want yeah. to interject one thing on that. I'm just yeah. going to put this to rest because this is personal. It's don't forget where you were because it's personal and it's real. So I just lost May, my sweet little stepmother of uh, COVID last week. This was an astonishingly healthy old woman. I mean, to an extent where when her labs were read, everyone was kind of gobsmacked because she had the blood of a 20-year-old hopping around. You know, she was in a memory care ward, taking care of the other residents as best she could. Um, and she was fine, full energy, never got sick. And she got COVID. She's now dead. Took two weeks for her to lose the rest of her energy after the symptoms and died. Now, the interesting thing, people will say, oh, well, that's in a nursing home. So that's probably people with a conspiratorial mind. That's in a nursing home. They report everything as a COVID death. Let me tell you something. No, they do not. As a matter of fact, these homes are terrified of lawsuits from the families. They do not report everything as a COVID death. They try not to report it as a COVID death. And in fact, when the newsletter came out with COVID deaths, they didn't put it in it. And I said, hold on a minute. She just she was in isolation because she had COVID and died of COVID. She didn't have underlying conditions. Mm -hmm. And so they finally, out of courtesy, put a newsletter out. But the fact of the matter is they weren't going to because they don't want the families of the people in there to know that COVID is moving around, which is inevitable. It's moving around everywhere. Right. We're not angry at them. The point is these homes are trying to actually cover it up not highlight it as part of a political agenda. So I just want to put that to rest for people who are still in the conspiratorial mindset. It's real. Perfect. I just lost someone mm -hmm. and they did not announce it. 
Okay. Right. Okay. And, and she did not have underlying conditions. She did not. She was, I mean, to, to bring up the story you told me, she literally broke her hip, which is usually the death of people that very steep decline after that and oftentimes death. This woman threw aside her walkers as soon as she felt like it and healed in record time. Oh, she, she had the blood work of a 20 year old and that's no left, joke. Yeah. As soon as she left the hospital, she yeah. threw away the walker and they, she came back and they said, she said, I didn't use that. And they said they couldn't believe how fast she had healed. She didn't have any downtime. She just got up and walked. It was a little sore, but she just did it. That's yep. the person she was. But COVID took her down because it was too much overwhelming a tiny little body. So I'm just saying, let's just put that out there and continue with your story. And this is what I want to say also is you, many of your audience in the world has been taught that there's two sides here. And you and I are kind of trying to, put forward a, a third way forward. Neither one of the sides in my mind is actually that grounded in reality. People who are trying to create a top-down sort of globalist approach to vaccine distribution as if technology is gonna cure all the ills of our world are, not, are, are a little bit delusional themselves. That's been tried. We've had a massive concentration of wealth, a massive, massive um, departure between productivity and actual income in which the, 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 the billionaires made about a trillion dollars over the last few months uh, in this country. Um, so we, we're seeing, um, and this started in, you know, it started to really crank up in the Obama administration. People looked toward him, uh, but he didn't address it. Uh, and so you and I are not talking about trying to hew back toward a scientific technocratic agenda. We even saw today that the vaccines aren't really vaccines. They're more, they're more lessening the symptoms yes. and making it less deadly. And in that sense, helping a little bit with spread because you tend to spread yeah. more when you're more symptomatic. Well, but they're not actually preventing the disease. No, so even fact, that fact has been lost. Yeah, that's true. I had a live event recently with my Patreon people right. uh, with Denise Warden. And Denise Warden is researches in the medical field like no one I know. Yes. And she even said on camera, she said, look, they can try to do the vaccine thing. And she is full on medicine, not a conspiracy mm -hmm. theorist. She said, these aren't to prevent, these vaccines aren't to prevent COVID. Their right. constituents are designed to ameliorate effects of it if you should right. get it. So I think yeah. that's really important for people to know because the press is not telling us the truth on this one. Yes. And I, and I've mentioned in my videos and I encourage people to go to citizenzeus.com if you want a fuller exposition yeah. of this that we, and this, and you and I have talked about this, Regina, this, this COVID is a great revealer. It's a great revealer of not only underlying conditions of our bodies, but of our societies and our emotions. Um, are we needing to cling to some kind of authority, some new authority in the midst of all this fragmentation, new groups of people coming to the fore? Um, a lot of times there's this neoconservative backlash in which there is a clinging to that authority and, 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 and basically unreferenced and simply non-factual assertions that allow that to happen. On the That's other true. side, this neoliberal approach is trying to go back as well, but to more of a globalist technocratic agenda that is bankrupt and cannot work. So given the battle between these two and the polarization, people are tempted to choose sides. They're both bankrupt. You and I can say that affirmatively. Neither one is factual, neither one is sustainable, neither one is viable. 
So basically what we're looking at is being able to recognize the reality of COVID. It's a real thing. It's really going through. There are some best practices. And at the same time, not simply looking to the outside of ourselves to a scientific or technocratic authority to save ourselves from ourselves. We literally going to have to step up ourselves. And that's what we're going to talk about now. Well, we are. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought all this up. And one of the things that when you and I were discussing uh, behind the scenes before we came on camera together about the sad situation where people were dying without saying goodbye to loved ones because they couldn't believe that they were actually dying from this thing. Um, you, and you said, what is it that is so much more powerful? What is it they are clinging to in their belief? And I said quite spontaneously, they're clinging to the belief that they were going to be saved. And that's where the conservatism, neoconservatism, and also authoritarianism does come in, authorities in general. That right. I, my comment was, these people believed what they were told, that their president is divinely ordained, that he is a savior, that he has come to save humanity. And can you imagine dying of something that, is said to be a hoax by your leader and by others around you, and but yet your body is literally not able to suck in its next breath. Can you even imagine the cognitive dissonance and the anger that's happening there because your belief system turned out not to save you? Right. And so this is this portends to mu much broader range of dysfunction going on right now. Exactly, and it's the flavor is different and maybe milder to a degree, but it's the same kind of thing in the so-called neoliberal end of things. Yes. The notion that technology is going to save us, that a, 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 a vaccination, we just have to hold out to that vaccination comes. That vaccination and this kind of virus is living in our blood and in our bodies. And just like HIV and herpes, we're gonna to have to all eventually get it. We don't wanna overwhelm our hospital capacity no. as it's spreading, we wanna manage it. So in that sense, the technocrats have a bit of a point. But here's where they both come together, the more conspiratorial, neoconservative approach, and the more sort of scientific, mental, you know, <laughs> neoliberal yeah, approach, approach, is they're always teaching you to look outside of yourself for authority to tell you what to do. Whether it's the scientific experts on one hand, a lot of them very compromised because they have their fingers and patents and 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 I have even exposed and profit. yes and profit um, and that can be proven, or the more uh, neoconservative conspiratorial approach, which is basically say follow a so-called strongman who who doesn't seem to actually know what's going on, and this is a global approach. It's not here just in the United States. Every one of them is saying. The way you handle chaos or transition is to cling to some exterior authority. And even people's belief system is delivered to them as an exterior product that they cling to. They have their churches tell them what to think and do. They have you know, a leader tell them what to think or do. You know, neoliberals have so-called scientific experts tell them what to think and do. Now, there can be useful information gained from this, but they cannot take the place of your own sovereignty. This is a big thing on your website. This is a big thing between you and I. We have to step forward and be able to sort these things out. And the actual way forward, the healthy way and inspired and spiritual and creative way forward is through community, is through interconnection, is through us beginning to assert our own authority about 
knowing certain things like you, you just this morning were talking about trying to get a doctor to the medical system and how badly represented you were because no one took the time to ask you about your body, your knowledge and authority of your own body of a very unique condition. And, and this is the thing we need to begin to do. We need to begin to respect each other's not only sovereignty, but our knowledge and some of our wisdom and use a network of that knowledge and wisdom coming together to have a much more stable and factual uh, a basis. Okay. That, that's the point right there, stable and factual. Mm -hmm. This is becoming nearly impossible. Now, mm -hmm. for anybody who has watched the documentary, The Social Media, you'll know exactly what we're talking about, a, a social dilemma a social dilemma about how social media is algorithmically driven to essentially feed our brain the comfort food that it's desiring, free from any context at all. It's, an, it's, it's a must-see. If you haven't watched A Social Dilemma, you really need to watch it. And as a matter of fact, a couple of days ago, I was having lunch with a friend of mine who is a very conservative, fundamentalist Christian, and she had watched a social dilemma and she's a Trump supporter and I was trying to get behind the thinking I wanted to know what motivated her we love each other dearly and she had watched this she had watched a social dilemma but still coming away from it and I said so we see what's happening with the news feeds if we're not deliberately going outside of our own belief system and comfort zone to start gathering information from all sources and all sides the computer is going to feed us only what we've been repetitiously viewing and consuming this is where the problem now and the argument about truth and thus the sh this show the breakdown of truth really begins yeah, and I want to go back to that thing you have in there, because I think that statement you said is so important to get outside of our belief systems and comfort zones. Yes. You have a little poster that we have up in the bedroom. It says, I'd rather have my mind open by wonder than closed by belief. We saw in that South Dakota case how dramatic that closing of belief can be. It can, it can actually compete with making decisions and coming to terms in ways that save your own life. But there's a much, um, there's just as important an effort, uh, uh, um, another attribute that is that really works when you open your mind to wonder. Okay, when you don't feel like you have to control the world, and your your response isn't control that chaotic world that's fragmenting, but you allow that to open you to a sense of wonder and understanding the positive and creative opportunities now being offered by this COVID nineteen virus, SARS CoV two. It is asking us to take responsibility for our health in an unprecedented way. If you take care of your, and it's asking us to beef up our own immune systems, because actually that's far better even than a vaccine, and it's certainly far better than ignoring it altogether. So in many ways, we've been taught that these differences are threats that are going to diminish our integrity rather than opportunities to expand and deepen our integrity and our creativity. That has, that mentality emotionally psychologically has not really entered into the world and I would invite your audience certainly you and I are trying to do it to see this as an opportunity to step forward to care for each other and you know without necessarily agreeing with the beliefs of other people right and to go ahead and help present that more creative more grounded stable and factual reality that doesn't fall to the side of you know exceeding our authority 
to scientific experts or some exterior force on the left or the right, right. Know, to star men and, and conspirators. Let's talk about that for a minute. I'd like to get into some defining terms because I think a lot of us who are not really steeped in the world of politics, which I'm not, I'm, I've, I've always voted my conscience, that's what I do, but I am not particularly well-versed in how this whole soup of politics works. And you are extraordinarily well-versed and you've been on the ground, boots on the ground, and you've been following politics deeply your entire life. So I would like it if you would please explain to the rest of us, we know loosely speaking what conservative and liberal is. And when I think right. of conservative, and I'm just gonna to toss this out as a starting point, I think of people like my dad back when, not now, he's different now, but back when, when he was a person that believed that a person needed to get up and um, carry their own weight and not overpay into a system for taxes and go to church on Sundays and be a good person, a good responsible person. And to him, that was his basic conservative program for living his life. Now we're talking about neoconservative and that's where i think a lot of times we don't understand i want to talk about the same thing what does liberalism and neoliberalism mean because right. we hear these terms tossed about and a lot of people get caught not understanding the fundamentals and then also the whole progressive way which it seems right. pretty obvious is to pr progress forward <laughs> but take it away okay i'll start with the positive first i like to call myself a third old school conservative a third old school liberal and a third new school progressive. Yeah. So uh, there is, there are really positive things to gain from the tradition of conservatism, very positive things to be gained from the tradition of liberalism, and many, many wonderful new tools to be gained with this note. And progressivism has been around for a long time too. It has a history as well. I won't get into it, but there's a new application of it, which is really creative and community oriented. So let me start with those first, and then I will show you how uh, conservatism devolved into neoconservatism and what the effects of that are and then I will tell you how liberalism devolved into neoliberalism and what the effects are. Right now we have these two defunct and devolved forms, neoliberalism and neoconservatism competing with each other. So I'm going to help do a little bit of a history lesson here. <laughs> you and I both I would consider ourselves old school, old school conservative in this. If you look back, conservation means to conserve the best traditions and wisdom, and it even means conserving the environment, okay? It is taking the best of the past and bringing it forward to inform our present and future. So we're talking classical virtues, like courage, compassion, creativity is a conservative thing. There's philosophers and societies that have developed that over thousands of years that we can learn from. It usually involves responsibility, accountability to what you've done again in the past, not running away from it, but learning from it and, and apologizing if you need to. It also involves things like small business, uh, non-intervention in uh, you know, foreign affairs, not overreaching. Um, it involves, um, what are some of the other classic things uh, that would be considered conservative well economic um, conservatism by the way our next show is going to be on uh under the hood the breakdown of economy and the principles underlying that but obviously economic conservatism seems fairly obvious and is in right fact, not not uh, being a ridiculously free spender and finding right. good values to you know to put yourselves in and moral values too is sometimes put in this camp and moral values kind of go along with virtues and then we have to have some degree of integrity 
concern and consistency in the way we conduct ourselves and have the same standard we apply to other people apply to us, which is okay. really breaking down in our current society. That's a good definition. Yeah. What, about, what about classic old school liberalism? Liberalism is really, believe it or not, based in the Jesus tradition, at least in the Western civilization, it's basically doing unto the least of these, right? Having responsibility for people who are oppressed, having responsibility to social justice, having responsibility to say we're in this together. It's kind of coming from our mammalian brain, that sense of belonging, community approval, um, where the other one's more individualistic, you know, I'm going to go ahead and have integrity, right? So we have integrity and the other one's more caring and responsibility. So this tends to be the more old school liberal. You think of FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and the programs around Medicare. Old people used to be in poverty and they would just be basically put out to pasture. You deal with yourself, then came social security. So those are examples of old school liberalism. And now new school progressivism really has to do with things like the new economy. You know, I've written about it in my book, Transforming Economy, where we learn to do local currency, where we learn to do the things that we're doing on this website, a free exchange of forward thinking ideas about how can we array ourselves from different standpoints, from different ethnicities and so forth, to come together, not as threats, but as, as interesting resources and tools to bring together to be creative going forward. Now, um, classic conservatism has almost taken 180 degree. Instead of responsibility, accountability, classical virtue, it's power. It's devolved almost just to an extreme exertion of power. One of the things by uh, Ron Suskind, a New York Times Magazine writer, it, this was back in the Karl Rove days. He basically caps, encapsulated by saying this, you guys study reality, we create reality. And there was another thing in that, at Roger Ailes' book, he says, they tell you that's all those neoliberals, tell you what to think, we show you how to feel. So it's really, really now embedded around authority, emotion, and the idea that if you, if you array yourselves together and come together as a tribe, you can make anything happen because you want it. You can make any reality you want. Of course, now we're running against coronavirus and that's falling apart. Those people, unfortunately, in South Dakota are facing that. Neoliberal is almost turned old school liberalism on its head as well. Neoliberal economics is saying no regulation at all. Monopoly is fine. Okay. Um, and Obama, Obama right. deepened the crisis. Right. Obama, I mean, he inherited a crisis, right. but he also deepened it by not standing up on behalf of the citizenry and penalizing the banks for what they had done during those outrageous days. Absolutely. People elected Obama. I think he might have even won West Virginia or came close to it. Now West Virginia is way, way off the map because people were hurting. The working class in particular was hurting. They saw this huge concentration of wealth and exploitation. They weren't getting the, 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 the rewards of their productivity. And these banks had literally been crooks across the board. They were, they were robo-signing things. They were doing clearly criminal behavior. And not only were they not investigated, they weren't even identified or interviewed. It was all like, oh, we're just going to let the high people in society get away with anything. Any white-collar crime is fine. And yes, and, and oh, by the way, we're going to bomb seven countries. 
we're going to continue the military-industrial complex. That's another neoliberal uh, 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 motivation, which we are going to stay in our Washington circles and our cocktail parties up here. Those are contemptible. You know, we they would never, never, you know, say, oh, these are the people you should trust. Right. I mean, I did a whole, I did one on, on hybridizing harm where I showed how the COVID virus itself in a neoliberal framework of a mixture, a co toxic cocktail of scientific arrogance, greed and carelessness is what gave rise to this virus spreading and so forth. So there are no heroes within the neoliberal and the neoconservative. Neoconservatives devolved to power. Neoliberal has devolved to a, a kind of um, shame, blame, virtue signaling, kind of trying to manipulate people through making them feel bad to question, you know, these uh, innocuous technocratic authorities. But they're right. both, one's a passive aggressive power, the other one's just a flat out aggressive, aggressive power. power. But where but, they come together is, yeah. they come together on this Wall Street thing. This is going to be a whole, an, another discussion completely, so we'll right. leave it at this. But they come together because when COVID hit, the first thing that happened is the market started tumbling. And this is, remember, this is all driven by AI. 90% of it is artificial intelligence, algorithmically driven, not necessarily by humans anymore. But right. the first thing that happened was, in this case of raw power, Trump, because he's associated with the, the, the success of the stock market, that's his main claim to fame, saw right. the stock market tumbling. So just like the neoliberals of the past had done, right. he took the first trillions right off of the top when we had to start printing the money in response to COVID, and it went right to Wall Street. Absolutely. And not only that, he gave the top 1% an 83% tax advantage. It gave two to three trillion dollar tax cut. Eighty three percent, eighty four percent went to the top one percent. So this is where passive aggressive power and raw power of yeah. neoconservatives and neoliberals come together. Absolutely, those guys on Wall Street get bailed out. It's the same in yeah. the city of London. It's yep. the same in the other countries around the world. This is not unique to the United States. I hope you're enjoying this video because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. Something in us knows that something is dying. Mm -hmm. And each one of us is trying to contend with it from our own internal uh, belief system, sets of morality, and so forth. And right. conservatism is clinging to the old way desperately. And neoliberalism is also, in its own way, clinging to the way that's familiar. And neither one right. are called for or working. This world's changing whether we like it or not. And this world is not accommodating their so-called truths, either one of them. No. They're both trying to compete over a notion of truth. And the easiest way to do that is say, we're more true than that other guy there who's also non-truthful and not factual. Right. And if you, get, if you get into a battle between two non-factual endpoints, you're not going to get anywhere. The way forward is the progressive, communal, creative, uh, more localized. Uh, I, you know, I, many people have talked about this in the economy, but it also works emotionally and socially as well as economically to understand, like you and I talk about, you, each of us has a divine genius. We have something to offer that's inherent. 
okay? We don't have to earn it, like the conservatives say, okay? And we don't have to be ashamed of it, like sometimes the liberal, the virtue signaling, the cancel culture tries to get at you. You can say, this is who I am. I may be conservative, I may vote for this person, but I'm gonna step forward and supply that, not in animosity to someone else, but in collaboration with other people, co-creation with other people, so that we can get our communities together across ideological and political lines and, and move forward in a creative communal way rather than simply just looking for proxies all the time. A hero, you know, a leader, um, some guru, okay? Again, externalizing that authority and saying, I'm not worthy. You are worthy. You're going to have to be the center of your own sovereignty and authority and step forward in collaboration with people who are different than you are as a joy and as wonder rather than simply thinking that you're going to be in battle with them. This is the turn we can make and, and some of us are making. Yes, and in fact, you and I have also talked about something because I've been hearing this term bandied about. It means a lot of different things. It's being co-opted and it's being bastardized like everything else right now. But that's called the term the Great Reset. If you go to the cover of Time magazine right now, okay, it's on the Great Reset, which is a series of articles on how we're going to have to contend differently with economy, environment, and that's the Great Reset according to Time magazine. If you listen to the people that have been waiting in their circles for the Great Reset to happen uh, on the uh, Iraqi dinar, for example, it's a whole different thing. The Great Reset is when the dollar that is no longer the petrodollar, it's not the prevailing currency, and all these smaller currencies rise up, regain their value, and the people that invested in them suddenly are gajillionaires overnight. That's the Great Reset according to the circles who've been waiting for the, the ship to come in, right? And yes. then, yes, and so, and then there's the great, great reset according to the conspiracy circles that has to do with, and we'll talk about this in another show as well, about the notion of some groups like the World Economic Forum who are going to chip all of us through vaccines and everybody's going to now be surveilled and under their control. We're already all surveilled, so that we lost that one a long time ago. And so that means the great reset to them, and I thought about it, and I thought, no, the Great Reset has to come in our ability to, with intelligence and creativity and collaboration, think our way forward into this new world that we all must create together. We don't have a choice. We're not going back to the old. In fact, that's a, that's a line that came up uh, by, I think it was in the Corbett report, where he was saying, and look at this, and it was all an alarm and underlined in red where uh, some, one of the German ones, uh, members of the world, economic forum his name is schwab i forget his position in germany but you know he sounds harsh he has a very high german accent is talking about and we will not return to normal and i thought well of course we're not going to return to normal that that's a no-brainer we're not returning to normal the great reset is us it's how right. we're going to choose to recreate this planet that is has to be rebuilt now on right. every level so take it yeah. away on that one well, again, I mean, if you notice, uh, the uh, neoliberals and neoconservatives are both still trying to extend that sympathetic, crank it up approach. Yes. They're using sympathetic the nervous system. Yeah. They're using the uncertain instability disaster to try to consolidate power for their regime and thrust it forward and then impose it upon everybody else. Right. Whether it's the neoconservative or the neoliberal technocratic artificial intelligence or the 
the nationalistic, somewhat fascistic, you know, uh, kind of like, we're going to tell you what to do, theocratic, you know, uh, one. We, most of the people out there will say, I don't want either one, any, any part of either one of those worlds. They're bankrupt. And even if they were able to accomplish what they did, it would be a horrible world to live in. I happen to agree with you if you believe that. So what is the alternative to either one of those? Well, let me ask you a question. Let me ask yeah. you a question there before we begin. Going back to a social dilemma. Right, now right. that we're in this world of uh, kind of boutique preferences being fed to our brains right. every time we open our cell phone or computer or turn the right. television on, we are now being entrained to these messages with this kind of manic energy. Right. This goes beyond our ability to use intellect and to be able to calculate any further. It's going into deep emotional needs within ourselves. And now we're hooking, we're hooking on uh, into these streams of information, much of which is false. I mean, right. it's just false. It's that they have their own agendas, just like the man dying, the men, the people, the women dying in South Dakota. I can't be dying of COVID. COVID was a hoax. Right. I mean, well, here, here's, here's a litmus test here. And I would, I would encourage everyone in the audience to kind of use this litmus test and even close your eyes if you have to. Is what you're doing producing and creating or consuming and becoming addicted? Okay. Reinforcing. You, the other word is reinforcing, reinforcing what you already right. feel and think and enjoy right. feeling and thinking. Absolutely. And that itself is one of the great addictions, especially emotionally, that we have. I need to feel right. It gives me a charge. Therefore, I'll find information that reinforces that sense of rightness. I'm the chosen person. I know what's right. I, I follow the, the proper teacher, the proper leader. Again, what you're doing is using a tribe mentality to offload your sovereignty to your belief system, to an exterior leader or some other kind of thing. And you're basically consuming the fruits of that in an addictive way. When I was going to say it is an addiction. Right. You'll, know that you'll see, even with you and me, yeah. when we get into a certain mode where something's happening and we get cr the world's getting cranked up, we'll turn the media on more. You know, I yeah. tend to shy away from it more just because I like to drive around and think about things a lot. You're yeah. an, an incredible researcher, so you right. have your eyes on everything, but both of us still get sucked into it just like everybody yeah. else. And Everybody wants a comfort blanket, and I'm no, I'm, I'm no exception. I sometimes turn it into get reinforced, <laughs> but I'm not going to snow myself into thinking that that is reality. But right. the reality is, is that I, that is a comfort blanket. But yes. the comfort that I'm taking is there to help create a little bit of rest and reflection so I can advance into the uncomfortable. So what and that's happened? another sign. Yes. Yeah, so you, what you, you know you're being progressive and creative, not only when you go from consuming to producing and creating, but when you go from comfortable to the uncomfortable. That is true. That's a really good point. So we were talking about, in terms of this whole breakdown of truth, how do you even begin bringing together in a great collaborative reset, a spiritual, um, emotional, intellectual reset when literally everyone is in their foxhole being reinforced of two completely different realities? Many uh, now commentary, um, commentaries are saying they're using the word parallel universe because it is so divided and so, mm. so split where you're right. talking about, you turn to the network OAN, 
and you have everyone saying, oh, those poor delusional people, they just can't admit that Trump won by a landslide. And then you have the people over on the liberal media saying, those poor delusional people, when are they going to just pay attention to the count? And you have, you have this going on, each firmly believing in their story, in the right. story they're attached to. How do we make a co-anything now? This is the thing that really causes me despair and disturbs me deeply, is looking around and watching the people around me. How, to, how do we learn to speak to another, uh, one another again when we literally are working off completely different, firmly held data sets? Well, I think one of the ways we learn to connect with each other is to learn to connect to ourselves and our spirits, okay, and our health. And I think the COVID-19 virus is inviting us in that direction in an unprecedented way, <clears throat> not only individually, but socially. Individually, taking the proper vitamins, resting, sleeping, hydrating, all these things that we got away from. I had talked to you either about these Tagmet and Zantac, where you would just be popping pills to manage the anxiety that was coming out in these you know, ridiculous gastric production and just trying to cruise past it and just throw something on it instead of saying, wait a minute, how am I leading my life? Do I need more rest? Do I need more sleep? Do I need to decide whether or not this manic nine to five job or a lot of people seven to six or seven job, you know, that they're doing, is this really what I'm here to do on this planet and with other people? So by being forced inside, by being forced into a reflective state where we have to be outdoors more, and we're learning to connect with nature, learning to connect with our own bodies. And even for me, um, connecting with my own family over Zoom more than we did when we could have just visited them or phoned them up. We're seeing the value of that connection through the isolation created by this virus. So we have a foundation here. And I would also say connecting to your virtue. Um, being able to say, wait a minute, does this actually make sense? Is it healthy? This so-called fact or this conspiracy theory, does it actually help me connect with other people? Does it help me connect with myself? Or does it create more of a blindness and more of a manicness rather than ability to sort of come back, consolidate not power, but spirit within the self, and then to begin to share that spirit and that heart. We're in an age of heart. We've been driven by mind and to a certain degree by body and hand to apply technology and progress all kinds of toys, all kinds of tools. And now we realize that's created not only an unsustainable but unviable life, but also one in which our own kind of meaning has become fractured and distracted endlessly. Now it's starting to come back and this is a real opportunity to consolidate our spirit and to share it with each other. Yes, and what about the notion that we actually challenge our own minds. If we really want to, if we really do want to co-create and collaborate with one another to create a much more healthy, and I know the word sustainable has suddenly been demonized, but I mean it in the truest sense of the word, um, mm -hmm. more organically sustainable future, then what about challenging our own minds? Because one of the things that's lacking here is that people are picking up anything that comes along that makes them feel good and not 
doing any research into it. Sometimes, literally, it's a Google click away, and you can find out um, through what is it, the Onion or whatever, that this is just this is just urban legend. It's not true at all, and this is the person that started spinning this garbage. It's not. We can we can look in. We can fact check our check ourselves. We don't need a network to do it for us. But people aren't taking the time to fact check. They don't want to know the facts right now. They want right. to feel a certain way. So considering that, for those who want to do our due diligence, I would say even though this is this time calls for the heart, I think we can help clarify things by employing the mind toward the end of actually checking into seeing whether something is true or isn't true. And being comfortable with the notion that, okay, I was buying it and it wasn't true. I've bought things that weren't true. I think we all have. And then if you look at it, you're kind of embarrassed, but you don't need to double down on the lie just because mm -hmm. you've been busted. And this is what's happening with a lot of people right now. When right. they're embarrassed because they're being called out or the news is calling something they believed in out, they're doubling down. And not only that, I would say one of the really necessities, and you and I are big fans of this, is experimentation. Try it out without an addiction to the outcome. You say right. over and over again, your spirit, you know, the new age will tell you, oh, if you just have the law of attraction and you're going to have exactly what you want, you're going to get that car, blah, blah, blah. That's the crank up sympathetic spiritualism yeah. that we are evolving past. Right. The new spirituality, not ism, but spirituality is being able to experiment as a way to apply our beings in the world. Meet up with that person who has different ideas than you. Ask them where these things come from. If they're not that open-minded and they're just trying to persuade or convert you, you know, okay, move on to something else. But also do it with your own beliefs. Try looking up something that's contrary. Use critical thinking to entertain two opposite ideas and see that there might be some good things as well as weaknesses on this one, some good things as well as weaknesses, and combine the things that are helpful and then be thankful for the critical thinking that says about the weaknesses. Even the weaknesses become strengths because they show you and help you discern better about the world and about yourself. So again, that experimental, creative engagement and, and conversational approach with the world and with each other is gonna create, it's gonna lower the anxiety and enmity and the addiction to an identity, a hidebound identity. And it's going to allow us to really allow that more spiritual divine genius to emerge. That's very true. And, and toward that end, I was, when I was with my um, friend uh, the other day at lunch, I mentioned earlier, I was asking her um, what was kind of the foundation of her um, really strong belief in Trump. And she said, well, he's done some really incredible things. And I said, well, what would come to the top of your mind? And because she's Christian, she said, one thing is that they moved uh, the capital of Israel back to Jerusalem. Now, this has to do with Christian prophecies and, and so forth. And so I understood where she was coming from. And then I said to her, but Lori, do you understand how much suffering they ca that caused a group of people that is perhaps the most trod on people on the planet, the Palestinians, having spent a month over there behind the wall in Palestinian territory with Palestinian people and with Israeli people. I said, there is no more trodden upon desperate group of people on this planet right now than the Palestinians. And it just took 
one of the last shreds of dignity away from them to move that embassy back to their land. And she just looked at me quizzically and she said, well, I've had friends on missions there and they thought thought the Israelis were nice. And I said, perhaps, but really look at it. Is, Is that a reason? Is that truly something that we should be heralding and supporting, which is the crushing of the spirit of the most desperate people on earth? And it took our conversation in a, a slightly different direction. Right. But she's, she's open-minded. She watched a social dilemma. She was willing to talk with me. Right. A lot of the other people we're talking about now will not talk with each other. It's, it's pure dogmatism now. Right. So now what you just mentioned a little bit ago, I think is great. I totally agree with you. I think we do, we can start this way among people who are open to experimentation, who are open to being wrong. But with the rest, I don't, I can't see a way forward at this time. I can't. I, in fact, I even said to you, the only thing I could see as a way forward for healing us is if there was something so economically dire and severe that we literally had to turn the news off and rely on one another for our own survival. So right. that politics don't matter anymore. But that's yeah. a horrible thing. To, I mean, that's a horrible thing to say. But that's the only thing I can even imagine right now that would bring the rest together. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, like you said, and the hermetics have said, that oftentimes uh, we in our primitive state only seem to be really moved to act and to grow through pain or struggle. I'd like to at least hope, hopefully bring together some joy and creativity into that. I understand that. Yes. And and I would say that care has to be in the center, that I agree that care has to be that central principle. It's the connecting principle. And that's what really became the dividing line for you and I, you know, on the border. When, when, When parents and children are being removed from each other, to kind of punish them or teach a lesson or to dissuade people from coming into the country, I have a real, real problem with that. The morality is broken. You know, you can have a political concern, but that political concern should not supersede basic dignity and decency for people. And I, I think- I agree more. This, yeah. this is a, to me, it's a moral divide. Right. Now, other people wouldn't think so. They'd say, no, I feel, I feel like I'm a kind and compassionate person and might right. even say, well, I read somewhere that that never happened, that those right. kids were not separated, that that was a deep state agenda that's being perpetuated and foisted on the public. But right. it appears- in reality, in fact, those right. kids were separated from their parents and haven't found them yet. And, and that's, that's a travesty. Real, it is a travesty and it's the real dividing line. If anyone, I'm talking to anyone and they're trying to make excuses for that, they accept that it's happened and then try to make excuses for it, then I cannot talk to them. We're at, at that, that point, point, I have to say, listen, we have to agree to disagree on this one. I just, we do not have the moral foundation to have any kind of productive conversation. I'm not ignoring them. I'm not putting them down. I'm not saying you, you don't, don't have the right to exist as a human being. What I'm saying is you and I do not, we're not in the same space. You have to have at a minimum basic decency, basic morality, basic integrity, basic dignity. And if you cannot see that in another person or you make excuses for that, especially to advantage yourself, okay? <laughs> You know, because there's a lot of that in America, too, you know, in that rough and tumble. Well, you know, Wall's fair and love and war and capitalism. Then um, then there's something wrong. 
And there isn't much of a conversation to be had. Now, whether it's pro-life, which has that care at the center of it, or pro-choice, which also does in the abortion debate, you can actually make common cause there. Why don't we be both? They both have care. One has care of a certain notion of life. The other one has care for the autonomy and the welfare and well-being of the mother. Get those together. Work on um, unwanted pregnancies together. Work on creating options and support for women so they can raise children, okay? And it's not going to impede their ability to help their other children survive that they already have. These things that have been set apart from each other can be brought intimately together. And I'm talking Christian, even Christian fundamentalists and the most progressive liberal secularists can be brought together in these kinds of issues. This is just one, but there are many other ways to do it too. And we have, but we have to break out of that, that fall and that attachment to these exterior uh, memes, these exterior conceptual structures. We have to use our mind, like you said, to say, wait a minute, that's not right. Wait a minute, I can make common cause with another person. We have to use our heart to say, there's a real opportunity to create care and connection here. And we have to use our guts to say, something doesn't smell right here. You know, <laughs> we got to use to be willing. <laughs> we have to be willing to call out false idols of every yes. kind. Every kind, on every level. I don't care if it has to do with the subject of vaccinations or who's in the White House or who's mm -hmm. leading a spiritual movement on either side. Absolutely. And we're not used to doing that. No. We can help each other in doing that. And this is where humor comes in, too. Yeah. We have to learn to be able to tease a little bit at ourselves and laugh at ourselves. I like a lot of these programs that make fun of the absurdities and contradictions society precisely because of that. We have to be able to say, ah, you got me on that one, you know? <laughs> but you no, know, one likes to be made, no one likes to be made a fool of, no one right. likes to be wrong. And this egoic attachment to being right and right. righteous is mm -hmm. the big thing standing in, in our ways if we're holding really hard positions. Exactly. So, yeah. And, so, and when we see it from a more humorous or gentle humor standpoint, we realize we're human. Stop trying to be these transcendent chosen people and gods that are always right, always strong, always active, always on top of it, always successful. That <laughs> sympathetic crank, 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 crank. Let's be human. That's what we're good at. We have a lower mind and a higher mind. Let's embrace both of them. Let's have them in conversation. We have things that we really need to work on that we'd be embarrassed to, to, to maybe share with others. And to the extent that we can, let, let us go ahead and share them with others, at least admit them to ourselves and say, I've got something to work on here. And that person actually can help me. That different person could help. So, and then let, be gently humorous about it too and say, I'm human. Don't use it to get rid of any kind of accountability and responsibility, but use it as a way to begin to connect and care. To the, to the weaker or problematic or uh, uh, vulnerable aspects of ourselves and, and not put so much stress on us. And then we can really have our true hopes come forward without all this anxiety and wondering if we're going to fit in or someone's going to judge us. If we can begin to do that. I think so. And it's going to be quite the holiday season with this in mind, with people who can't sit at the table with one another anymore. Yeah. 
And yeah. for, well, fortunately or unfortunately, it sounds like a lot of people aren't going to be able to sit at a table together physically anyway. But right. the point I'm making metaphorically is to try to go into our hearts. I mean, this is a really wonderful time, this kind of quiet, uh, the darkening of the months, uh, the turning inward. We have this increase in COVID, so people are having to kind of spend a little more time alone reflecting on things. That's the way it is right now. And, and use that time to start really looking deeply into how we're feeding into this schizophrenia, into this mass hysteria ourselves, and decide whether we're going to be a bridge or whether we're going to be on other sides of the bridge screaming at one another. I, I think it's really critical. And our audience here watching this are people that generally tend to be quite more reflective uh, than the average person. They're looking for information. They're looking for new ways. So I applaud you, all of you for that. And we have uh, our task cut out for us right now. Any final thoughts, Zeus? Not really. I think that what you, you said it brilliantly. This is something for everyone. We, you and I are not the experts here. Your audience, I, we, we felt the care of them. We've experienced a community in our neighborhood.earth. If people are interested in looking into that community and joining that community, which is a high frequency, um, critically minded, creative, compassionate <laughs> format for us to begin to share our divine Jesus and, and kind of create a template for this new world going forward. I encourage them to do that, our, our neighborhood.earth. That's where you would find that. And, and again, to just continue to be a part of this community, to, to, to share your own thinking, to share your own feelings, to share your care. To share um, your own despair. You know, I have, I have said I'm in despair over this. I, mm -hmm. I hate that human beings that have loved each other can't even talk to one another. Mm -hmm. um, this really bothers me. It brings me to the point of tears all the time. Uh, it, not just me personally, but the world at large. I see the pain people are going through. So yeah. anyway, I like what you had to say, Zeus. And um, of course, we're, <laughs> we're in agreement on most things. Sometimes yeah. we just see them through a slightly different lens. I tend to look at it sometimes through the feminine. You look through the masculine, then we switch roles. But I just hope that, um, that this conversation between us trying to find our own way through has been helpful. I, I, I'm looking forward to the future. I am. Too, I think too. we're going through, a, we're, and I think we're, it's going to be probably tougher than easier in the next couple of years for sure. But I think it's going to open up something far greater, uh, a renaissance of sorts. And I am looking forward to the whole process. Well, there is something, um, it was a piece of artwork you discovered, I think you found it somewhere, on, probably on social media, uh, that was beautifully stated, and I'd read this before. It, set, it showed the kind of a, a bony arm of death and talking about a plague and that in the past, the plague actually led to the Renaissance. And that is what we're seeing once again. These cycles do repeat themselves. When we're ravaged at every level, there is nothing to follow but a Renaissance. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's coming. Yeah. And we can I be agree. part of it. And, uh, you know, and we can support each other going through the toughest parts of it as well and then celebrate together as this renaissance emerges. I agree. Thank you so much, Zeus. Thank you. And for any of you who'd like to check into some of Zeus's work, um, it's definitely worth going to his site under citizenzeus.com. Um, he has many, many, many links, also articles and videos, but to uh, be able to sort through in terms of, for example, 
uh, the history and nature even of the corona coronavirus. And he's staying on top of it all the time. We're both looking at this and keeping a close eye on what it is how it's being spun and how it's actually developing on the physical ground and how we can uh, basically find a way to contend with it in the highest way possible. That's just one thing, but he has tons of articles in there. So it's def definitely worth going to citizenzeus.com. So until next time, thank you for joining us here on reginameredith.com.